Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price to Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always love having on the program J.L. Carpenter. She is uh, now kind of a longtime regular. She's certainly a show favorite and a personal favorite. She's an attorney at law. A really well-known attorney at law at that, and uh, it's difficult here in Houston, which is the fourth largest city in America, to not turn on the TV and see you these days. You are involved in, in a significant way in some major cases with a very positive impact for your client, and that's exciting. But what I love about JL, and what I love about the segments we have, which is called Justice in the Law with JL, JL Carpenter is that she is an attorney who's been on both sides, both as a prosecutor and as a defender. And, uh, and, and what we're doing is a unique take we're not seeing a whole lot of in most true crime. Uh, most true crime shows end with people scratching their heads saying, so why did it turn out that way? Well, it's because of the law. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, she goes into the law and, and provides some explanation. And, and often we come up with some things that would make it better in the future if, uh, you know, if they change that law, in our, in our opinions at least. So, JL, welcome to the program. Very interesting topic, uh, not, not a new uh, true crime documentary, but one that's always very interesting, which is How to Fix a Drug Scandal. And it's a Netflix uh, documentary, and I absolutely loved it. I found it intriguing. Uh, when you suggested it, I thought it was great. Why don't you real quickly set the stage with a, with a brief summary of it? Sure. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Um, so, yeah, right when COVID hit, I watched How to Fix a Drug Scandal on Netflix. And it this is a great lesson. It's only four episodes. Great lesson in not only criminal law, but constitutional law, evidence, and just how the government system works. But basically, two chemists get in trouble for how they're handling the drug testing to confirm whether or not someone had uh, possessed a controlled substance. And some of these results, many of these results ended with somebody going to prison or jail and losing their freedom. And these uh, two chemists were being uh, fraudulent in how they were testing uh, folks' labs. And so it, it resulted in a huge fiasco. And, and explain, explain the fraudulence and, and the fact that as a result of this fraudulence, Tens of thousands, not hundreds, not even not dozens, but tens of thousands of cases were overturned or affected. Right. So, and this was in Massachusetts. So, one chemist, um, I guess, just the curiosity, she was working with these drugs day in and day out. <clears throat> excuse me, and she just decided, let me try it and see what this is all about. And she ended up becoming addicted to meth, and so she started skimming from the lab. Uh, she would skim from the, the samples that were coming in. And so she was not only taking from uh, the quantity that these folks possessed, but she was high when she was doing the testing. And one of the issues with this particular chemist was that she uh, was in the lab a lot by herself, which should not happen. And she was assigning the samples to herself, which should not happen. So when they go back and look at standard procedures and protocol and checks and balances, there was a lot happening in this tiny lab that should have never happened. And that's why in, in Harris County and Texas, we have what we call accredited labs where there is a checks and balance system. It still is not um, without issue. We have flaws that come up regularly 
but it's a way to try to keep it in check so that something like this doesn't happen. Yeah, checks and balances make a lot of sense in something like this. And I'm sure that she thought the work she did under the influence of drugs was the best work she had ever done. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure she works, did. Right? And then the other chemist, she was just really on this journey to excel and be the best. And she um, was not she, – she told stories and um, – falsities. So her credibility just as an individual was already in question. But what she did was something called dry labbing or dry testing. And so she would like test one sample and say, okay, well, that's cocaine. So this, this one that's right behind it looks the same. So I'm, I'm sure that's cocaine also and not actually do the oh, testing. No. So it could have been sugar for all we know. And the reason that this is important is for this. When I was a young prosecutor in a, a different county 20 something years ago, there was a woman in custody for crack cocaine and she stayed in custody for almost three months just to find out that when the labs came back, it was not a controlled substance. It was not crack cocaine. It was nothing. She lost three months of her life. Now, had we pled her or a defense attorney pled her to some sort of uh, plea deal without those labs, she would have been serving more time and convicted of a felony for something that was never against the law. Wow. Wow. And so did you say it was caffeine? I don't know what the actual um Oh, you didn't know. Oh, I, I just thought that. Maybe I'm hearing things. Yeah. But it wasn't yeah. illegal. That much we do know. But it was not illegal. And, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely so, insane. And uh so and so the implications of this were really far reaching. Um and I'm curious, I'm wondering I guess they really don't have enough for the sue the state, uh, but you would think a lot of these prisoners would sue the state for, for their convictions. So there's limitations on what can happen there, but I will say this. For instance, in the state of Texas, marijuana is still illegal. So if somebody gets charged with possession of marijuana, then the state has to prove each and every element. It was this person on or about this state in this county possessing marijuana. They have to bring someone in to prove that it is actual marijuana and not, you know, just oregano. Um, so take that on a grander scale. That's just a misdemeanor. Put that on a grander scale where it's meth, cocaine, um, any other of these controlled substances that you see on a regular basis. If they cannot prove with an accredited lab um, to have someone come and testify, because that's your constitutional right to confront the witnesses against you, including the lab analyst who will say that is that substance. Um, if they can't prove that, they can't prove their case. And that was part of the issue in this how to fix a drug scandal. Yeah, this is fascinating. Talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the, the, if you will, takeaways, some of the thoughts that you have that uh, the listener should have in mind when, when uh, looking at this. And what kind of actions are being done in that location to make sure it doesn't happen again. Obviously, they need to raise the bar. Right. So um, I, I would say this. You know, there's always systems in place, but systems fail because they're not perfect. They're run by human beings. Human beings are fallible. And you shouldn't just take the government's word as a final say, okay, we tested it. Trust us. This is what it is. When freedom and liberty are at stake, you need to investigate. Yeah, 
Yeah, and uh, you know, and unfortunately, you know, some some could even uh, argue that they could. Uh, we want independent testing, right? Well, yeah, I'm sure there's laws that make that difficult, but even in the laws where it's not, that's pricey, you know. And it then goes to the uh, fact that the more money you have, the better defense you're going to have. Something that you and I have talked about often. That is true. In fact, in every DWI case in Harris County, you have two vials of blood drawn. Any DWI where blood's drawn, you have two vials, one for the state to test and one for the defense to test. But it is pricey for clients uh, to get that testing done. But when I have a blood case in, with a DWI, then the first thing I do is enter a blood discovery order to go back and find out the chain of custody, how was the blood stored, who had their hands on it, you know, because all of those things along the way from the moment that it leaves the hospital to the officer's patrol unit to getting it to the lab, all of those things have a potential for something to have gone wrong. Yes. And something you and I talk about often is that at least in Texas, 90% of these uh, crimes that, uh, you know, don't go to trial. They, they usually are settled uh, outside of trial with uh, with some kind of plea agreement. 90%, I believe, is what you told me, some some number in that percentage. It's a high percentage. Yeah. I've, I've read that, or I thought you may have said that. It's high, close to 90% that range. I'm assuming it's probably like that in a lot of states. Um, certainly Massachusetts is considered a little more liberal than Texas when it comes to civil uh, issues, but I bet it's high too. So a lot of those people, probably the vast majority, never even had a trial. That's probably true, I would think. And what um, what I found out was a lot of these folks had already done their time, served their time, and were back in life before they realized what had gone wrong. Yeah, because this had been going on for years. Right. And they had no idea. And that's what's so important about making sure that you are working with an accredited lab. Um, in Harris County, we have um, a system where if a defense attorney finds out that there's an issue with a particular lab or an analyst at the lab, we put everyone on notice. And then you can go through your files and you can pull any case that may have that particular analyst on the case to see where you go from there. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And I'm assuming, you know, uh, at some point you would think that these states would use an independent lab and pay for uh, that type of accredited testing rather than have a uh, half-baked lab, no pun intended. Uh, that was not a meth reference. But, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, a half-baked half lab uh, doing it just to say they have a lab. I mean, this is the kind of thing that has an earthquake effect. Obviously, in a trial, uh, the type of lab, whether it's independent, whether it is accredited, that's obviously a big part of the defense, isn't it? It is, and with the backup due to COVID, a lot of counties have reached out to independent labs or created um, labs within their counties that they you know, didn't have before to try to get the back load um, caught up. But I, I think that, you know, I've been doing this over 20 years. I've seen the hills and the valleys of these labs come and go and have issues and get back on top. And so I think that when the pendulum swings again, you're going to find that some of these new pop-up labs and independent labs that have been created post-COVID um, to help with the, you know, caseload, we're going to find some issues, I'm sure. JL Carpenter, she is a show favorite, a personal favorite. She is the, an attorney. 
Um, and uh, I'm going to have her give her website in just a minute. This series is not only done with the Price of Business show, but also with the Daily blaze.com that's the daily blaze.com and uh, her content uh, in this series can be found there all of them uh wrap it up for us with the final thought as well as your website so how to fix a drug scandal on netflix great for constitutional and evidentiary law check it out uh floor series um jl carpenter i practice criminal defense in the houston greater houston area my website is jlcarpenterlaw.com Thank you so much, JL. Look forward to our next one. We'll have to figure it out. We always come up with a good one, though, and I think this was a great one. I am Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business. Stay tuned for more.